Kei a tātou tēnei āhuatanga, a pōpō kei nā whakatipuranga, ka whēke, ka whēke, ka whēke. This is our generation now, but tomorrow it belongs to our descendants. It is therefore up to us to lay the foundation. Kia kura rangatira mā tēnei te mihi atu ki a tātou katoa, ko Maraia Rakuraku tēnei, ko te hōtaka tēnei a te ahika. I'm Justine Murray and welcome to Te Ahika, your weekly kaupapa Māori program on Radio New Zealand National. Hey Maraia, you've just recently come back from Te Ahurea Tūhoi or the Tūhoi Festival. How was it? That's right, there's a whakatauki Justine, kia pūria koe e nga hau o Tawhirimātia. Return to your mountains to be purified by the winds of Tawhirimātia. And what that means is returning home for emotional nourishment, grounding yourself with your whānau, helps you return to your life. That's often away from your spiritual home, and that's basically what the Huiahura Tūhoi is all about. Established in the 1970s, the Tūhoi Festival was the brainchild of John Rangihau and others like Boy Biddle, who realised with the increased urbanisation of Tūhoi, holding on to their Tūhoi tanga could be a challenge. So every biennial Easter, Tūhoi travel home to play rugby and netball, debate at large, overdose on kapahaka, all with the purpose of reconnecting with whānau and expressing everything Tūhoi. Because like every other iwi, we have specific characteristics that make us what we are. Bring on the 40th Tūhoi Festival in 2011. Over the years, fire safety campaigns ensuring that homes, buildings and loved ones keep safe have increased. I remember at primary school, the message was stop, drop and roll. These days, it's don't drink and then cook, as well as the old keeping matches away from kids. And with daylight savings ending a few weeks ago, Justine, checking that the batteries and the smoke alarms are working. The media campaigns are one thing, but what about when buildings such as a marae become victim to intentional or unintentional fires? As was the case a few years back, eh, Mariah, when the marae at Raupunga burned to the ground. That's not the only one, Justine. There was a marae at Te Kaha, Rangiatia Church in Otaki. I know how upset I'd be if that was my marae. And those are all things Piki Thomas in his role as Pohiringa Māori, National Advisor Māori Balances for the New Zealand Fire Service. Well, at the moment, I, I go out to specific incidents and uh, I attend all the fatalities in our region and just look at the background of, of what happens as, as opposed to having a look at the operational side of things. I may then go into the to the whānau afterwards and say, OK, you know, this has happened. Perhaps we could, do it, we could have done it better. And these are my suggestions rather than going and say, you've done wrong, yeah. now yes. do this in, 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 you know, in the future. So it's about you know just going in and, and uffing them through that time of I know upset and uh, tra- trauma and all that, and just seeing if we can use it as a learning curve. Justine, here part Taku. I've got a question. Have you ever thought? I wish I'd tried this, or I wish I'd tried that. <laughs> well, Mariah, my dream as a kid was to be a professional dancer. Um, a choreographer like Paula Abdul or Janet Jackson, two wahine I admire a lot and still do. But, well, you know, life goes on and here I am in radio, which I love, by the way. (laughs) And you? Funnily enough, I wanted to be, wait for it, a truck driver or a firefighter. And you know you can still give the dancing thing a go, eh? And as the saying goes, you're never too old to learn new things, as Waikato man Rangatuhi has shown. The father and grandfather graduates in May with a degree in graphic design at Messi University, and he's talking with Justine about his journey into study and how his success is all possible because of their all-important whānau support. Well, my son used to go to Waltec here, and <laughs> you know that's, that's not very far, so we'd have lunch together. But he used to say to me... Um, going to school today then he'd get a laugh out of that and I, yeah I am but now that I've graduated and I'm going to graduate he looks up to me now and so well, is that you son and you know, so he's looking at a bigger picture now because my dad did it so it's actually been a role model for those that you know for those that don't like look at him he's this old he didn't really know much came here didn't know what he was doing because that's what it was when I first came here I didn't even know how to operate a computer now I'm pretty good on one <laughs> Rangatuhi proving that despite negative experiences in his early schooling, it's never too late to give it a go. Educationalist Professor Wally Penitito, on the other hand, doesn't lay the responsibility of success or failure at the feet of the student. 
He believes instead it's something as simple as a teacher showing an interest in a student that can determine a Māori child's experience of the education system. Too often what goes on inside schools lacks the energy that can lift kids up. And there's lots of ways to, that can, we can do to improve that. And, and we've talked about some of those things already, like the way in which teachers respond, the way in which teachers can relate to the kids' backgrounds and their, and their cultures, the way in which they can connect to the communities that they're in and the families, the way that the teachers get involved in those communities. All of those things help the child, the learner, to feel an important part of the process. Professor Wally Penetetso talking kaupapa Māori research with Marae. I'm Justin Murray and that's all coming up in this week's edition of Te Ahikā. to Te Ahikā. Radio National. Ko te mea tuatahi. Piki Thomas no Ngāti Pikiao Ngāti Whakaue has been involved with the New Zealand Fire Service since the late 1980s and is widely recognised as a Māori face of fire safety. You can see him on screen at the moment fronting some TV campaigns. In 1998, he was appointed as the first Māori fire safety education officer targeting Māori fire safety and prevention. And it's a job that's had its share of challenges as he's had to operate in two worlds really, not only by ensuring that Māori understand fire safety but in doing so so stay true to the application of tikana Māori, as Hinare Te Ua discovered in an interview from 1998. The first Māori fire safety education officer, and uh, he's working out of Rotorua, has a huge area, he's covering virtually the Bay of Plenty and Waikato. Te mea tiwetahi tēne wā, ka nui ngā mihiki a koe, nō reira nau mai rā, kia ora rā koe. Tēnā koe hinare, o tira ngā kia kotura e whakarongo mai nei ki tēnei pūrongo, well, Piki, you come from a very illustrious uh, Tarawa background, from uh, Ngāti Pikiō and Ngāti Whakaue. Right. I mean, that's coming from the from the very, very heartland of uh, Tarawa, isn't it? Yes. Now, you've, you've recently been appointed the Māori Fire Safety uh, Education Officer for the whole of the Bay of Plenty Waikato Fire Region. So what does that position actually entail? What do you have to do? The, the, the position entails um, going into Tewi Māori and promoting our fire safety message. Um, it's come about as a result of the statistics that have come out of our, our the, say, like the 1996 um, findings to say, okay, um, Māori are disproportionately represented in our fire death statistics. They are disproportionately uh, represented in the incident of fire in their homes. So, okay, we've this the Fire Service Commission has said, okay, we've we've missed the boat somewhere. Yes. Why is that? And um, no, they still can't put their no one can put their finger on it. So they've uh, come up with this new position. Does that figure then is is that a, a national reflection or is that uh, broken down into individual regions? Nationally, it's not so bad. Um, nationally, the the figure for fire deaths is forty to sixty percent. However, in the Bay of Plenty Waikato region, that figure goes up to 80%. Well, has any reason been found for that high incidence, uh, Piki? Not as yet. Uh, the, the first part of my mahi hinare is, is to go around and look at the common uh, aspects or the ngāhuatanga um, orite of, of, the, of the Māori families that are affected by fire. And, and it's quite interesting that um, you know we can see a similar trend yes. in that they normally... Uh, are living in state homes, they smoke, they drink, um, normally a single parent, parent f- family. Um, health isn't too good as well, and, and, and I could get that list of things and prepare it for the next fire that I go to. You know, it's that common that we have, you know, the, the similarities of the people that um, are affected by fire, the Māori people. And the deaths which have occurred because of fire, uh, those who have died, is, is there a, a broad age, age range or are the young disproportionately represented, Picky? No, it is a broad range and uh, right. you know, that, that's one of the things about fire. It's really indiscriminate about who it, who it takes. If you're in the way, um, you, know, you will be hurt or, or killed by it. Okay, well how are you going to take the message out and, and how are you going to target this at-risk group of people, as it were, Picky? Well, the 
first thing is, is positively identifying who they are, and at this stage we we know for sure that uh, Terry Māori are missing out because they they are the ones being affected adversely. Uh, secondly, we need to look at what structures and networks that are already operating uh, amongst Terry Māori, yes. and, and it, it's about not reinventing the wheel. So I, I know I've got to look at uh, what we have already existing, and straight away what comes to mind is the Kohangareo, the Kura Kaupapa, um anything uh, anything that our um, health organisations have for um, Māori, um, all those sort of structures will will tap into. However, within saying that, each individual community also has their uh, special places that uh, Tiwi Māori congregate and they, and they um, uh, socialise in, you know, and so on and so forth. So, you know, we, we need to get into those areas as well rather than just going in traditionally, going into the schools and doing our mm. um, Learn Not to Burn and Stop, Drop and Roll programs, which must out a, you know, a, a fair majority of uh, our, our Māori people. Well, how are you hoping to raise that level of awareness among those families that you're going to be uh, working with, Piki? Well, well f- the first thing we want to do is just consult with Tiwi Māori to say, OK, this is our problem. You know, Give us some feedback on how you feel we best attack it. And uh, what's coming back is... Um, 90% of the time is that what we would normally offer to the people as, as fire safety education is going to is going to be what they want anyway. So, you know, it's just about the consultation just to to um, include Dewi Māori in this, in this new education. So it's, you know, by Māori, for Māori, more or less. Yeah. Is, is there a danger, though, Picky, that some of the families that you're going to be consulting with then who's feedback you're going to be welcoming, that they're going to misconstrue your position, they're going to think of you as some some um, busybody, as it were, who, <laughs> who are interfering with the way I do things? Yeah, I, I, I guess there would be. Um, you know, I, that is certainly not my intention. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as long as we offer it and, and enrol the Tiwi Māori in saying, OK, you know, this is, this is a problem. I mean, take it if you wish. Um, but, you know, I really would prefer that uh, they took it on board as, as being players in organising the education for themselves. Well, listen, what are some of those aspects that you actually take to the homes and say, I mean, do, do you go out to the homes with a whole list of do's and a whole lot of, whole lot of don'ts, as it were? Or, or, or what, what sort of advice are, are you going to be giving? Well, at the moment, I, I go out to specific incidents and uh, I attend all the fatalities in our region and just look at the background of, of what happens as, as opposed to having a look at the operational side of things. I, um, I may then go into the, to the whanau afterwards and say, OK, you know, this has happened. Perhaps we could, do it, we could have done it better. And these are my suggestions, rather than going and say, you've done wrong, yeah. now yes. do this in, 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 you know, in the future. So it's about you know just going in and, and uffing them through that time of oh, you know upset and uh, tra- trauma and all that, and just seeing if we can use it as a learning curve. What I'm picking up very strongly, Picky, is that you're taking into your position not only your knowledge from the perspective of the fire service itself, because before we came on air, you mentioned you've already had. 10 years operational work within the service but of course you're, you're, you're taking a whole appreciation of tikanga Māori aren't you, within that with, with, within those whānau groups, within that whole rohe that you're covering. Yeah, exactly, you know, yeah. I mean it, it's, it's a part, you know, we, we um, I know I've, I'm going to promote that you know, as our key to getting into our problem sure. and, that, and if we have someone who can appreciate uh, te reo meo na tikanga then you know we have an access there that probably the, the normal structures wouldn't allow us to to get into um, Terry Māori. And you know if it's if it's just like a simple thing of taking your shoes off, even if the floor is dirty, you yes, know that, that, yes, that's a yes. thing that would would let down one barrier. Yeah. You know, there's just small things like that, and, and opening with a karakia and closing with a karakia, and um, you know, and, and really relating that I have tamariki as well, and they hope to do as well. And, you know, perhaps it's, you know, the, the child that I, or the whanau that I'm speaking to, perhaps they have had a child that has, you know, been playing with matches or lighters. And I can relate that directly with my childhood and, and my children's childhood. But, you know, this is how we've got about gone around and done, and done things. You've got a huge region to cover. I mean, can, can you do it uh, satisfactorily, uh, Vicky? I mean, there's only one of you, isn't there? There's only one of me, <laughs> and, yeah. And, and the thing is that uh, my position isn't the doing position it's the organizing 
and at this stage I'm I'm slowly I'm slowly but surely pulling my foot out of the doing camp. Okay, as I, I used to go around, I would normally go around and and deliver the message. Whereas now this position has been set up so that I can organise other firefighters around the region or, or people in the from the community. You know, it, it's that's another aspect of it too is is to identify who the the most um, appropriate person who who should go in and deliver our fire service message should be. It it may not be a firefighter. It may be a a local komatu or someone from your runanga who has the networks up and running already. But then, if you you were to become a desk-bound organiser, that that whole special essence which you got, and that's the knowledge of tikanga Māori. <laughs> I mean, that's 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 a secret to this whole post, isn't it? I mean, you would have to make sure that those delegated to go out and take the messages has a strong recognition of tikanga as you do yourself. Yeah, I sh- yeah, sorry, I should have put that into my last uh, sentence uh, phrase there. You know, there's when I said the most appropriate people. You know, we 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 recognise that we just can't send the normal. Um, uh, firefighter down there that the firefighter that we need or the person that we need delivering this type of message has to have the ability and and the knowledge of tikanga and and, and you know and if it's appropriate for that uh, delivery of of the message. Thicky, when do you think you can start assessing whether in fact this campaign to give it a to give it a name yeah. is 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 working towards success or not? I mean, what, what yardstick will he be able to use? Well, uh, the yardstick that we sh- should be able to use is the incident of fire, and we, we record, you know, every time that we go to a, a fire and uh, every time that a fatality occurs, and we start looking at the trends. Okay, are they still Māori? Are, they st- are the Māori still the higher um, uh, statistic insofar as, you know, just normal fires in homes, or are they still dying at the same rate and so on and so forth by... In, in the, um, the new predictions by the fire services that in uh, three years we should have our fire death rate down by 50%, and, mm. and that's the yardstick that we're going to use. We certainly hope that those figures are prophetic and perhaps even lower than that, Picky. Yes. So, listen, all the very best then for the mahi what you're doing. Kia ora, uh, you know, my, my araho goes out to you because you're, you're a, a, a lone person, as it were. But um, I think provided you've got that tikanga recognition and your own uh, ihi to do the work that you are doing stays intact, then I'm pretty sure you'll be successful. Piki no reira, tēnei wāka, te mihi ato ki a koe, tēnā rā koe, te hōranga tira, tēnā koe, tēnā koe, ki ora tātou. Ki ora. Ko te reo te rā, hinari te ua rāua ko Piki Thomas in an archive recording from 1998. And for more information about fire safety, you can head to our webpage radionz.co.nz forward slash teahika. I'm Justine Murray and this is Teahika. We all have them, teachers who inspired us when we were at school. For me, it was Mrs. Cryer. Even now, I have a love of John Donne poetry due to her and can quote Shakespeare's Antony and Cleopatra. And for me, it was Mrs. Irvine, my standard three teacher, who one time when I was sick, she visited me in hospital. I mean, is that a cool teacher or what? Did she bring you anything? Yeah, yeah, a pot plant and chocolates. A pot plant. Because <laughs> every, what, nine-year-old kid needs a pot plant. <laughs> that was Mrs Irvine. She was cool like that. Good old Mrs Irvine. Now, for Professor Wally Penetito, the experiences students have and remember of teachers like Mrs Cryer and Mrs Irvine is vital to a positive education experience. Co-director of Her Parekereke, the Institute for Research and Development in Māori and Pacific Education, at Victoria University, has built an academic career focused on Māori achievement, or lack of it, in the education system. Hailing from Ngāti Haua, Ngāti Tamatera and Ngāti Raukawa, Penetito doesn't necessarily equate becoming educated with one's education had at the hands of an education system. Involved in the evaluation of Te Kotahitanga, a programme aimed at improving the educational achievement of Māori students in mainstream education, Pinetito has ended up returning to what he has always believed. It's teachers that make the difference. How they treat and interact with kids, and in the case of Māori children, how much they respect and value the Māori culture. Kowali Pinetito, Ah, uh, Ngāti Tamatera, Ngāti Rākau, Okuriwi. Kia ora. 
Uh, now, Kaupapa Māori Research, what is that? First of all, it's a, it's a, I think we can say it's a modern phenomenon and that, and that our, our crow, our kaumata, weren't using that term to talk about these sort of things. Mind you, the topic is also contemporary, the whole idea of Māori being involved in research. So with Māori getting involved in research came the whole question around what is research, who should be doing it, what topics should we be looking at, um, you know, is this going to make any sort of difference as well? Because we already know that research has got mana in the societies in, in the modern world. And where mana is, is where we want to go as well. But don't you think we've kind of rebelled a little bit against that as well? Because it's... So if research has mana, does that then mean that our own traditional ways of looking at things and giving something mana doesn't quite equate I don't know I think I think I think the thing about this is that mana has got uh, its old traditional handed out view about the world uh, that that it is something we've been involved in uh, from the beginning it isn't something which we suddenly have discovered um, but that on the other hand there's also a modern uh, way of looking at this as well and that the fact that Māori have survived into the modern world this shouldn't be a surprise to any of us, but with that comes another way of looking at things. So we've needed to uh, enhance our own mana. It isn't about discovering it. We already had it, but it, but to be enhanced. And I think this is the, the idea about the role that research plays. The research is important in the, in the modern world for all peoples, and it is important to us as well. But the, the trick is actually... It's not a good word, but the idea is that we should enhance what it is we already have by adding to it, by making this thing grow. And I think that's what's happened, really. So what do you mean? Um, How do we do we, that? We have, we have taken the tools of the, the modern world, of the parking world, and we've used them for our means. We've used them to enhance us. And the moment we do things like that, we take them over, they become ours. They are no longer just things which we have borrowed from the parking world. Uh, and I think Māori have done this. So I've it's like Māori-fying it. Yeah, it is. It is. There's, there's, I think that is a very important part of it, in fact. Um, this is how we, when people talk about owning something, this is kind of what we mean. It's a sort of a psychological thing, a psychological sense of owning it so that it becomes part of who we are and we can say, this is us too. It's not, you know, we don't want to be put into a into a, a ghettoized sort of idea, this is how we used to be, and that's, how we, that's the only way we can be. So is it a bit like tikana? I mean, tikana evolves, doesn't it? And if it isn't, if it stays stagnant, then it can end up limiting us in how we view things. I think so. I think that's, that can be the case. Tikana is a, a good example, really, that um, um, tikana, so you have to sort of ask some very fundamental questions around, well, what was tikana for? You know why? Why did we actually have tikanga? Uh, and and if tikanga is changing, um, who's doing the changing? How is it changing? And why is it changing? Is it still working for us? Is it to, still to our advantage, or are, are we handicapping ourselves? And I think that there's no doubt that sometimes this is what actually happens. Sometimes things get blown out of proportion. Uh, we didn't actually mean that to happen. Um, but that's kind of part of what comes, I think, with changing. When, the moment you change things and, or things change, people start asking the questions around, OK, is this working for us? Is it to our advantage? Are we, are we handicapping ourselves? And those are all good questions to ask, research questions, and we've always asked those questions. So how, how are, what's an example of Māori adapting modern research? Well, there, there are many schools of research, research in, in acad the academic world. Um, they, they, they belong to historical developments again over, over many, many years. Māori tend to favour forms of research which are, first of all, people-oriented rather than thing-oriented, uh, about relationships, uh, about... Um, uh, making use of and, and and 
interpreting what it is that people bring to whatever the topic is that's being researched. Those are all those are all methods which are actually quite difficult to do. Like we're involved right now in an interview where you're trying to get ask me questions to reveal my thoughts about certain things. But if I got interviewed again tomorrow by someone else taking a different tag, tack on what I'm talking about, I could say different things. So the question then is, okay, which but one is it? But it could also be interpreted differently too. Absolutely. Absolutely. So this is, this is the, the field, is that Māori tend to work in fields where interpretation plays a really important role. Mm. Uh, so, and it, I think it fits with the Māori kind of interpretation of the way they are too. They, are, they do, you know, like um, there is no one way. There is no one truth. Um, so that, that people actually have... Like there's no right and wrong. Everybody can be right at the same time. Well, um, that's the extreme version of it. And that's the kind of fear, really, that Western research, academic research has about the idea that if that's the case, then there is no truth. If you take that view, if you take it to its nth degree, that means there is no truth. If everybody's right, there's no wrong. You know, so it is, it is a, that's a bit of a balancing act. That's a, quite a difficult one for people to get involved in. And I think as researchers, people... Um, find a way to come to terms with those kind of questions. One of them is by using other, meth other sources, not just using the one method of, for example, interview like this. One of them is to actually observe the way in which people behave, not just um, ask them questions, but observe them, see what they do. Because we all know that sometimes what we say is not the same thing as what we do. But then that means that that person or persons, they need to be have some insider knowledge to be able to read that. Yes, and that's actually really hard. It's, it's, that's difficult things, but um, I, I just think that this is actually, again, one of these things Māori have, uh, I, I hesitate to use this, but a, a predisposition, I think, to, uh, to, to listen to people, to reflect on what those people are saying, to internalise it uh, in their own, in, in themselves, and then to take a view on it. Uh, now that's all deliberative and, and it takes time for that sort of thing to happen before coming out with conclusions. And that's a really important element in research of any sort. That uh, whole idea, it's not a Māori, necessarily a Māori thing, but I think Māori bring that kind of predisposition to the, what they do, how they go about their research. So then how does this measure up when you compare it to how Pākehā do research? Well, first of all, Parker can also do the same sort of research I just described. In fact, they do. Uh, but there is, again, I used the word mana earlier, there is, there is a, a kind of mana which comes with research in the Parker world that uses uh, um, the ideas about measurement and number. Um, I can't, uh, and that's, that's that sometimes they they put more weight on that yeah, rather than the interpreting of the, like the qualitative data. Yes, quite often that's the case. Um, I mean, it, it isn't good researchers uh, are reflective of whichever approach they use, but the, there is a a sense in the world in general that when you put a number on something, it actually has more there's something more finite something more specific, something more correct about it, something more right. And therefore, you can take more notice of that because it actually is saying more than someone who actually uses interpretation. That's, that's part of the politics, I guess, of, of research and researchers. It is all part of a, a balancing act in many ways. Good research does require ideas about measurement, and it does need... Also, ideas around interpretation. Both things go together, sort of words and numbers. Um, I think this has become even more important today where, you know, one form seems to excel and the other begins to diminish and then in the next decade that'll reverse. So I think in today's world, though, the ideas around getting the balance right between interpretation and uh, measurement, numbering, and after all, numbering is uh, using words too. You know that's the thing about it. But so, say you say you do a project. Um, you utilise the Kopapa Māori approach. Um, would that involve having Māori Māori staff? 
uh, a process of reporting back to the community? I mean, what what would be some of the methods that people would utilise? Um, a lot of those, a lot of those ideas are related to the things that you just mentioned. Um, you know, is this a, is this research, for example, something that the Māori community wants? Is it something that they already feel needs to be addressed? That's a, a really important question to begin with, and and you find that out by talking to Māori communities, or you get you, you know that's the sort of picture you build up over some time where you can finally get to this question. This is Mariah Dakaraku, and I'm talking with Professor Wally Penetito about the Kotahitanga Program and Kaipapa Māori research. Um, I can't project I'm involved in is involving a project in secondary schools called Te Kotahitaga, oh. which is, which is a, an approach for helping Māori students improve their academic performance within secondary schools. Um, the, the, this is with the mainstream secondary schools? Yes, it is. This is with mainstream secondary schools that, that have significant numbers of Māori students. Because okay. historically Māori have not performed well in mainstream secondary schools? Māori students haven't performed well in, sec- in mainstream secondary schools um, way back from since, since I've been teaching in education. That's gone back a long way. Um, yeah, and there's lots of reasons why that's the case. So what are um, the reasons? Well, I mean, over the, over the years, I can remember as a young teacher, one of the, one of the uh, research projects at the time was told us that the reason Māori kids don't do very well at school is because they don't speak English properly. <laughs> they don't speak standard English, it came down to. So what do, we te- what do we do? Teachers have to go out there and teach kids how to speak English properly. Um, you know, so what's properly? And that, all of those kind of questions start coming out after a while. Um, I think the thing about that, it sort of died maybe a natural death, that, that, uh, that research and the action that followed from it. Um, but over the decades, there's been there's been a whole lot of different innovations that have been suggested as to how you might improve Maori students' achievement. This current one came from research from out of Waikato University, from um, Russell Bishop mainly and his team that are there, uh, on the view that after having interviewed Maori kids at secondary school and asking them, "What do you what do you like about school? What works for you?" those kinds of questions, the kids actually said. Um, it's the relationships with teachers that makes the difference. When teachers uh, respect us and get on with us and are friendly with us and joke with us and know how to know how to relate to us, we are more prepared to work at school and to learn. That's um, that's true, kind isn't of it? Basic. Um, yeah, I think that fact about that is it seemed strange that a piece of research had to come out to tell us that, <laughs> because because I think every teacher sort of knows that every Māori teacher knows this is the case, and we have known for ages. The question still is like, okay, what do you do about it? How do you improve student relationships, teacher relationships with students? You know, and is that you know, is there a way to do that that will actually help Māori kids in particular? Well, the research project Tikwatayitaka has come up with an approach to doing that. It has focused on the teachers. It has focused on improving their relationships with Māori kids. Um, that has involved... Um, uh, it, this has developed over several years. It isn't just something which fell out of the sky. It's developed over several years. Uh, the project I'm involved in is evaluating it um, in order for government to decide whether it should extend the program, whether it should close the program down, uh, whether it should bring more more schools into the fold, whether it's working or not, um, has to be answered first because it's an expensive business. Any sort of research, so we've we've had we've had to do this, and and, and very simply, we've done it by involving a number of different methods. One of them is by going into schools and observing what goes on in classrooms. Okay, let's see what what's happening. Are the what are what are the teachers doing with students? Another thing we're doing is after we've finished observing um, what goes on in classrooms, it's talking to the teachers, interviewing the teachers, interviewing the students. And because students have whānau that come from, we've also been involved in interviewing whānau. We've interviewed principals of schools and boards of trustees. All of these is to build the picture about what's happening with the kotaitaga in the school, each school that we've gone into. What is the effect that kotaitaga is having and how... 
how accurately can we can we make judgments about that? Um, in order to do that, then we've also had to look at the school's data. What is it collected about? You know, for example, um, one of the ways you get educated is by being at school. You don't you don't get educated in the formal sense by staying away from school. Mm-hmm. So we need to know: is the program making Māori kids stay at school more? Are they still hiving enough? Um, and what are you finding? Well, I can't actually talk about the conclusions of this because we don't report back till the end of the year. But I think what you would, I think you could expect that there will definitely be some improvements in that. I think we could say that there are. Um, instead, we can't actually put a. We need to be able to put a figure on it to be able to, to actually say. In order to do that, we need to know what records the school are keeping about Maori student attendance. Uh, the other one is Maori student performance. You know how well are they doing? In formal examinations like NCEA, unit standards and all those sorts of things, all the different forms of achievement. But there's other kinds of tests which are used within schools as well. We're interested to find out what they say as well about these students. All of this, again, remember, is in the view of building up a picture. So there is nothing ex- exclusively Kaupapamari about this. Mm. But there is that mixture because we have we have got uh, in the research team Māori researchers working with non-Māori researchers. We've got international researchers working with national researchers in it. Um, the project is being run from out of Victoria University, and our university here, but it is, it is, uh, it's involved for more than a year of collecting data, analysing it and writing reports before it finally reports at the end of this year, beginning of next year. Um, but that's, that's kind of the Kaupapa Māori side of it I, sh- I just meant to say something about was was to do with uh, our approach to it is by making sure we had Māori researchers with us so that the Māori kids that we're talking with can identify with the researchers um, uh, by, to, by meeting with whānau. And that's been, all of this has been an important part to it. We will be reporting back to all of those different constituent groups as well at some, at some point in this research. So uh, what that's, that's doing is it's creating a sense of reciprocity netta. Hey. Mm. That's kind of what Māori families expect now from research, what Māori's yeah. expect Rather than from research. the traditional going in, get what you want, you never see them again. Exactly. Yeah. That's right. So so there's, it's, it's, a, it's an accountability um, process. And that's kind of, we've always known that's really important too. Now, it just, I guess, at one time you could, you could uh, be less diligent about doing that. And we know this historically the sort of things that Linda Smith has written about in her decolonizing methodologies, you know. Māori have been researched to death, but how, how is it, are we any better off as a result? And that's kind of really difficult to, to assess. So we're, we're anticipating with more Māori being involved in research, that doesn't necessarily change it either. More Māori is involved in research using methodologies that are proved by Māori communities is a critical element of that. Um, you know, and and being able to make judgments about whether this, whatever it is that's being researched, actually is working and is working for the right group, for the right people. Is it, for example, to quote Tagger again, no matter how well it's working in the schools, if at the end of it Māori kids are still not doing any better, and then, then the quote Tagger has no solution. It, it may still be part of the solution, but it might it might need to be broader than that, so that uh, the ideas around relationships we know is important. We've always known that was important. How to improve relationships, though, is, is a little bit more tricky, a little more difficult to define, a little bit more difficult to enact as well. Now, just to go back, I saw a report on Native Affairs on Māori Television, and the report was on the Kotahitanga program. And what I found was interesting, were, they were talking to a couple of the teachers, and the teachers were saying how positive they were finding the program and how it was really changing their lives and the way they were interacting with the kids and but what I found particularly interesting is that the teachers that were talking were English and I thought ah does it take an outsider being here in Aotearoa to really see the value of something I mean are we as Māori and as Pākehā are we still 
confronting those prejudices with each other? I mean, are we still doing that? Um, that's an interesting question. Um, having been into, I don't know how many schools, but uh, uh, 80, perhaps, and seeing several hundred teachers, uh, and, a, and a proportion of those teachers definitely were uh, non-New Zealanders. Uh, I mean, I mean, in the sense that they were they came from overseas to New Zealand, including South Africans, Indian, uh, of course, people from Britain, America, Canada. Also, these there are numbers of these teachers that are here, and I think I I, I I didn't meet them all, of course, but every single one that I came into contact with were very much in favour of the Kwateitanga. Lots of them actually said this is for a start one of the best things they've ever done in terms of teacher in service training, teacher professional development. That's that's a really important thing to start with. Secondly, thought it was really important that teachers got to grips with understanding the Māori world, about Māori culture, about Māori kids. And that all of those things go together. It isn't just about learning about the relationships between themselves and their children and the, and the students that they teach, but that they actually learnt something about the Māori culture and Māori institutions. For example, the, one of the important parts of the Te Kotahitanga is a session they have with the staff in local marae, the different communities. The, there was positive feedback on every one of those. They loved it. And again, the overseas students, overseas teachers, sorry, were, um, were very affirming about the whole thing. I, I think there is, I couldn't help thinking of this myself when I was experienced this thinking, uh, just what you said really, is this one of these things New Zealanders are kind of too close to it? I mean, the problem about it is that New Zealanders generally don't know very much more about Māori than some of these visitors who've just mm. arrived last week, mm. almost. Mm. Now, now that would be that's a, uh, unfair to say that in general terms. So I'm, I'm I'm conscious of this fact that a lot of New Zealand teachers, though, don't really know much about Māori. They don't know as much as they think they know, um, and that it does take sometimes people from overseas who have no preconceived ideas, they don't have the same prejudices, the same perceptions about Māori, and know that uh, Māori are a central part of what it means to be in New Zealand, Māori, Māori people and Māori culture. And so they, they, they're prepared to learn everything. That's great. Now, the Kotahitanga program takes place within the schools, but shouldn't it be taking place earlier? Shouldn't it be happening at training college? Yeah, another good question. Um, I think um, I think probably I'm not actually really sure about this, but perhaps colleges of education are waiting to see what the results are of this this research. I, d- I doubt that that's the case. I think uh, colleges of education are kind of been they've. They've had an approach to the to the training of teachers, which has been around for a long time. Um, they it's one of these things again where um, the greater influences are likely to come from overseas than they are from internally from New Zealand. And that's that's a pathetic kind of statement to make, but I think it's probably still true. Um, I hope that the Kotahitanga, even if the Kotahitanga, as a project as a professional development program doesn't go any further than it is now. I'm not saying that's the case, but even if it did that, I still think there are definitely lessons to be learned that all colleges of education need to work on with their students. It is about relationships, not only with one another, but with the with the places where we are, relationships with where we are. You know, that there is no escaping when you're in New Zealand. There's no part of New Zealand that doesn't have lots of Maori uh, names, for example, in that community. You know, this is where we are right now, and Karori is a pretty middle-class New Zealand community. What, what, what's its name? Karori. Um, you know, so it's, and what's, that's just one of the names. It's actually got lots yeah, of names. It's one of its names. Yes, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's got it's got streams, it's got hills, it's got it's got all sorts of landscapes here, which belong to Karori, which have Maori names and have histories. It's that relationship as well. I think that's kind of getting onto my pet subject a bit here, but. I think this is the um, this is this is one of the the lessons that need to be learned. The colleges of education are all located in a specific place, and the students that are there need to learn about that place as they learn about becoming teachers. 
because that's what they're going to have to do when they get out. That's what they need to be able to do when they get out. When they get into schools, every school that they're going into is situated in a place which has a history. It has a history of relationships, and it has lots of different people living there. They're not just Māori. There are lots of other people living there, but there is a history of relationships, and they need to have those at their fingertips as well if they're going to get to know their students. And If getting to know your students is an important part of students coming to learn, then get on with it. So that's what's happening in mainstream secondary schools. What about in Kūrakaupapa? In Wharekura? Kūrakaupapa, to start with, uh, there isn't the, the amount of research that's coming out of there is still pretty limited. Um, and understandably, Kūrakaupapa, like Kohongareo, are still relatively young in terms of, uh, of systems. Um, they are still um, struggling with being able to resource themselves, both in terms of trained teachers, trained kaupapa Māori teachers, um, uh, in terms of resourcing with materials to use, all of those things. Now, even though they're rapidly growing in the production of these things, they're, they're still far behind mainstream. Um, the amount of mainstream material that exists is phenomenal compared with what Kaupapa Māori schools have got and have to work with. So they're, they're still pushing it uphill. And I guess because of that, they're, they're not overly um, excited about letting researchers in, um, you know, because you could just about anticipate what the results will be. Except I don't think that's true either. I think what's actually happened, Kaupapa Māori uh, programs... Not, I'm not talking specifically about Kura Kaupapa Māori, but where Kaupapa Māori is operating, um, there's, to begin with, a level of excitement that is there. Now, anything that gets people excited in education is good. Okay, It doesn't matter who they are. That's a, that's a plus to begin with. Uh, so there are things happening in the Kaupapa movement. Um, it's just building slowly, and that's probably the best way for it to build. Um, I think they need a lot more support all around, Part of the support comes from being able to um, use the resources of, of the system. Um, that is from mainstream. I think, I think the thing about this is we kind of have, have established two sort of systems, a Kaupapa Māori system and a mainstream system. You know, and a Kaupapa Māori system is just a mainstream Māori system, really. So they're both mainstream, but in different sort of ways. And they need to learn, I think, to associate as well, to learn from each other, to work with each other, and not see each other as being adversaries. Adversaries, yes. Now, I don't think the Copa, I don't think the mainstream system sees itself as being adversary, but I think the Copa of Māori system could could think of itself like that. And again, I could say, understandably, they've had to they've had to struggle to, to come into existence. You know, the history of Copa, the Kura Copa of Māori is first of all to set up Kura outside the law. So that's the beginning. And unfortunately, that's the way it is for a lot of indigenous peoples around the world. You, you don't, if you want something, you have to go get it. If the law is in the way, then you have to go past that too. You have to learn how to go past that. And the law in New Zealand has since, of course, caught up. It's, uh, at least legally, it's caught up. The system is still far off it. I think, I think, I think the system mainstream is still um, keeping Kura at arm's length as well, and maybe that's reciprocal, that's a reciprocal relationship as well um, but I think that's something that we we can't afford to, to do we can't afford to continue with that this is too small a country to start with and we've, uh, we have a, a kind of relationship between Māori and Pāka that that, uh, that predates the Treaty of Waitangi uh, but it has, has, its, has its real origins I guess in terms of the, the kind of the system we have at, at the Waitangi through the Treaty of Waitangi. And since then, um, the lessons of the Treaty of Waitangi need to be learned right across the board. And by that I mean I mean, the relationships between the two systems. Um, we're still dealing with the same product that is young people, you know, and the young people's education. And if one of those systems is holding back, then it's, it's also then inhibiting the development of the other party, and that's that's something that education can't afford, the society can't afford. 
So let's just go back to something you said earlier. Uh, there's been a struggle for kura kaupapa, and that struggle's gone on as you move further up the academic ladder, so even in terms of the establishment of Farewananga. Farewananga are, again, a real critical element of the Kaupapa Māori movement. They, um, I think the three that exist are all doing a great job. And what are they? This is Te Wānanga Raukawa, Te Farewananga Aotearoa, Te Farewananga Awanuiaurangi, um, they are really important components of our education system. They are critical components of Māori development. They each have their own character and their own way of operating. This is an, this is the logic of, uh, of a kaupapa Māori as well, Māori society. We will do our own thing, sort of idea, and within certain constraints. They each offer a different kind of um, expertise for young people. Um, you know, this is this is one of these things I'm just talking about. This, the legal system, the governments say, you know, that uh, this is a place for Māori. Um, the fact that Aotearoa has already shown the Pake want to go there as well, you know, now the system says, no, no, you can't do that. Uh, you can go to the other tertiary institutions. That's that's I think short-sighted, but personally. Um, if they if the if the Wananga are offering things which are good for other New Zealanders, then why should the government poke its nose in there to start with? Um, it, it isn't... Um, I, don't, I don't think it helps. Uh, and Wananga also needed... To, uh, if I could say this, I think the other thing about this is Kohongareo Kurakopapa Māori Wharekura Wananga should be the ones, the places that set the standards, I think, for Māori in, in education in our society. That's their, that should be their major focus. They are, in a sense, elite, and I say that, and I think I don't see any problem about that. They're not elite as though that no one else can get in there. They're elite in the sense that they set the best, the highest standards for the rest of the system. Mainstream system will never be able to, I don't think, match if when the Kaupapa movement is operating across that Kuangareo Kura Kaupapa Farikura Wananga, they should not be able to match the standards of Māori scholarship and um, uh, knowledge base and the other important elements of Ahuatanga Māori. Uh, they shouldn't be able to match those. That should be where we look to for our standards. Um, now, not every, again, people will wonder about that too, and that's fair, that's fair enough because I think within mainstream systems, the universities, as they are now, all have Māori... Um, institutions within the institution and they all have set the highest standards as well um, the only thing is if if context actually makes any difference and I think context does make a difference then we would expect an institution which is devoted first and foremost to Māori ought to be setting the standards I, I don't think they are still but I think that's kind of where it's going though I hope that's where I think I hope that that's what what they take to heart as being what they're part of their 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 kaupapa, part of their purpose for being is to ensure that the highest standards in everything that have to do with Maori are found there in those institutions. So then, what responsibility does the Crown have as a treaty partner towards that process? Yes. Um, well, I'll I'll just... shall I rephrase it? <laughs> that's, that's okay. No, it's okay. Um, I, I think the, the crown. Well, the crown is the is the senior governing entity of our society. Um, it has a relationship with Iwi Hapu Fano based on the Treaty of Waitangi. The Treaty of Waitangi has in it those three articles, which spell it out very clearly. I think, in many ways, the treaty is an extraordinary piece of work. It actually has... It hasn't always been that way in people's minds, including in my mind. But I think when I become more familiar with it and the scholarship that surrounded the treaty in the last 30-odd years has actually shown that this is a, an extraordinary document. It, um, it does need to be... you know, it's, As it is, it's still pieces of paper. It's still really... 
I mean, that, that's kind of sacrilege to some people too. But it is, to me, it still is uh, a words on paper. It's actually the enactment of those words in reality, in the world that we live in, in the way in which we behave with each other, way, way, that's the way in which Māori behave with other Māori, the way with Parker behave with Parker, and the way with Māori behave with Parker, and all the other people who make New Zealand their home. doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, in my view, the treaty speaks to us all. And it says that what it says is contained within those three articles. That there is Māori as tangata whenua, that's never going to be any different. That there is a, there is a, a crown entity which is there to represent us all, we're all New Zealanders. And that third entity, which is, a, which is to do with the citizenship, is something which is as a, as a right. It's, it's, the, it's the basis, I think, of a very powerful constitution. It hasn't got the same um, pedigree, at least in terms of uh, the way in which it's spoken about, as, for example, the American Constitution. Uh, but I think it has, it's, to me anyway, it has, it has that same mana within the New Zealand context. Um, it, it's, it has some way to go as well in terms of relationships. The treaty, you know, there is some talk today of it becoming uh, part of the Constitution for New Zealand. There's a, there's a very recent book out, Jeffrey Palmer, not Jeffrey Palmer, Matthew Palmer, Palmer. on that on that very topic. So, you know, I mean, uh, that that wouldn't have been said ten years ago, maybe not even five years ago, something like that. But it it, it is there being it's out there now, and I think the moment that becomes part of something we debate, talk about, and consider, that might be the way in which it becomes something which is more than just paper. It becomes something which we all follow, which we all believe in, which we all, which we all, which, which we use as a as a way to balance the society and the things that we have in our society. Kia ora, uh, Professor Wally Penetito no Ngati Haua, Ngati Tamatera, me Ngati Raukawa. And while the results of the Kotahitanga are yet to be released publicly, you can access info about it at our website radioNZ.co.nz forward slash Tiahika. Rangatuhi no Waikato is about to graduate with a degree in graphic design. Not bad for someone in his early 50s who decided to go back into tertiary study after honing his skills as a carver at Pukekohe Marae. It's been a long journey for Ranga, who freely admits that initially grappling with new technology like computers was challenging, even though now his kids call him a computer geek. With the view that the Massey University campus Marae in Wellington needed to be closed, he decided to create a po, Te Pau Tuarongo at Te Kuratini Marae. In July of last year, the gifting ceremony of the Po, uh, that's the pole that rests at the back of a whare and personifies Rungomatane, took place. It features depictions of Hinenui Tepo and Maui Tikitiki Ataranga. And with those two featuring, of course, its kopapa or meaning is about the life cycle, remembering that life and death, according to our traditions, is because Hinenui Tepo defeated Maui. Practicalities such as carving custom wood rather than native timbers presented some challenges to Ranga, but all ones that he worked through, proving it's never too late in life to learn new things. I spoke with him at a Massey University Māori alumni evening. Oh, kia ora, kia ora, Ranga. So, Ranga, as, um, as I was walking into the building this evening, um, I noticed a big... Um, banner or poster with with your face, with your kanohi on it, and um, and you are we're here to promote, I suppose, um, Māori students of Massey University, ne? Hi. So tell us about your journey of, of study. Uh, when I first came here, I, I came here to um, put what I know on the computer, and that was actually graphic design is what I wanted to do. So I had a lot of experience most of my life in mahi whakairo, um in carvings and that. Uh, I've done carvings for marais and um, I am, or oh, I was, the Pukikoe Marae carver. Um, and then I thought there must be, you know, another way of taking this to another level. And so I came to Massey Uni and why I came here is this is supposed to be the best for design in the Southern Hemisphere. So I came here to be able to do that. And um, it's taken me, it's a four-year paper. And it took me five years because I'm not as up-to-date as, you know, the Say Parker. 
But um, but I did it, and I graduated in May with yep. a degree in graphic design. Kapai, kapai ranga. And if you don't mind me saying, um, you have come to uni and you've you've gotten back into tertiary study at, at a later part of your life. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, I have grandchildren now. <laughs> I'm not afraid to say that because I'm sure there's a lot that at my age that want to go back and do it all again and have a go. You know, but uh, yeah, um, it was really hard. And when I got to the fourth year, I thought, what am I going to do for my last project? So what I did was I did a pose, something that I'm really good at. You know, like I know this without I don't need to draw this up. And I a pose, describe a pose. A um, pose is a um, it's a carving that represents a tupuna. Uh, in this case, the Po represents uh, um, Maui and Hinenui Te Po. And that, that is now based at Massey Marae here in Wellington campus. Uh, I was gifted to the Marae. Uh, I thought that would be on my, my leaving, that I would leave something here yes. for future students to sort of like look at and say, well, this guy produced this. He's not a, he's not a fine artist, but you would say that he is. But the, um, the outcome of that is a book. Uh, a book was produced. And that actually enabled me to graduate in graphic design because um, the, the carving itself isn't graphic design, it's, it's actually fine arts. So they said, well, what now? And I said, well, I'll produce a book, you need to know what it means. Wow. And, and that's accept- why I'm graduating. <laughs> <laughs> Are you writing in it to, or displaying images? Um, I presented the book. Um, what it does is it explains the symbolism attached to the potorong. Um, that is the po that is at the messy car. Oh, uh, they, they, yep, the, yep. Yeah. Te uh, po usually the main centre carving on the back wall in the marae. And it represents the, the passing of the tupuna. Um, if you look at it from the sense that if you walk into the marae and the first po is the, the po of Tane, Tane Mahuto or Tane Te Waiora that gave the life giver. And the po at the back wall is the death po, the po of Hinenui Te Po. That is our life cycle. And I've produced that po. Now, the reason why I did that is because I thought that the school needed to have something to educate them because the back wall, as far as I know, is about education. Can you talk about your journey of um, going back to tertiary study and how that affected your, your whānau life, especially later on in your, in your years? Was it easy to, I mean, did, did you have children to convince that, oh, you know, Dad's going back to university for five years, how did they take it? Well, my son used to go to Waltec here, and <laughs> you know that's that's not very far, so we'd have lunch together. But he used to say to me, "I'm going to school today, Dad." And he'd get a laugh out of that. Like, yeah, I am. But now that I've graduated and I'm going to graduate, he looks up to me now and says, "Well, is that you, son?" And you know, so he's looking at a bigger picture now. And my dad did it, so it's actually been a role model for those that you know, for those that don't like look at him. He's this old. He didn't really know much. Came here, didn't know what he was doing. Because that's what it was when I first came here. I didn't even know how to operate a computer. Now I'm pretty good on one. <laughs> Man, and that's a stark contrast from... You've gone from one extreme to the other. You've, you don't know how to use a computer, and now you're going to qualify as a, as a, as a graphic design artist. Well, actually, I'm a computer geek now. They call me a Mac operator. <laughs> <laughs> when you graduate in May, um, do, have, you, have you thought about, just after you graduate, your, your future ahead and what you hope to get into? Well, I... I I had a long-term goal, and that was actually to try and work out of the marae. Teaching young Māori that really didn't see too far ahead of, you know, in their future. And a lot of them, I found young kids like myself, were scared of universities. Why? Because we couldn't keep up with that knowledge. We didn't have that knowledge. So for me, it would, if I could, I'd like to sort of teach out of the marae for kids that don't fit in school anyway and give them some sort of training and say, well, listen, you can go and do this at uni now because you know how to do it. But the thing is, it hasn't been given to them. It hasn't been offered to them. It's like you need to go to, into this class and do this. But I don't see anything coming out of a marae apart from kōhanga mm-hmm. So in the way of you know, bettering themselves as, as computer and, and looking at the next step, well, for me, the next step is the computer because... Why would you want to be a labourer at the age of 60? You know, why do you want to dig holes and work on the road when you can do what, you know, do something easier in your life? And so was that the motivation behind you going back to tertiary study? Um... That was the motivation. I didn't want to be a labourer at the age of 60. I didn't want to dig holes. I've worked for the council and I've worked on the roads and I said, there must be a better life than this. Mm. But also being a carver too, there, was, there must be another level. And so I went for it and said, I'm going to put this all on computer. And I've done that. 
Wow, that's pretty amazing. So from the from the Fari Fakairo to um, the World Wide Web. That's right. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, in terms of your graphic design skills, you talked about giving back to your your community via the marae, but um, so so. Am I to understand that you've you've come from the marae, you're going into graphic design, and then you're going back to the marae to to to, to teach? Yeah, because um, once I graduate in May, I can't turn around and say, "All right, I'm up with, I'm up, up with the play," because I'm not. I need to spend, I think, at least a year inside the sector so that I'm up with the play. Then I can call shots because I know what is expected. I, if I said that now, I only know what it is is expected in a university because I've never worked in the business. I've just learnt how to do it here, but I haven't actually been out there. Applied that to yeah, I have into the real world. I haven't been out there and done it for a year, and that's the only way I can say I'm up with the play. Kapaianga, mm-hmm. um, so and your family are all supportive of you, and and how has the, I mean, I bet the the five year journey has been hard. Oh, it has been hard, especially um, being Maori, and when I first came here, my first year, there was five of us. When I gra- when I graduate, it'll only be me. So they eventually dropped off. They eventually dropped off. Uh, mainly money. Um, didn't think they were good enough. Didn't try hard enough. And I guess peer pressure. You know, as I know, a couple came from the street. And the peer pressure. Their mates are still on the street. Mm. So, but you've obviously um, enjoyed the five years. Oh, I love it here. This is a good place to. You know, to get educated, because you learn what what is expected to learn. There is there is no bullshit here. It's the real thing. And you know, if you try anything, you're out. <laughs> kia ora for that kore roranga. Oh, kia ora. He mihi tēnei ki a koe e rangatuhi no Waikato me Ngāti Maniapoto, and he will graduate in May. You're listening to Te Ahikaan Radio New Zealand National, and check out more information about Rangatuhi, and why not listen to previous programmes at radionz.co.nz forward slash Te Aneira a Rangatuhi with this week's Whakatauki. E whakatauki e mau mahara au, ki tagu nei mōhio e whakatauki nā te kingitanga. A ko tēnei whakatauki nā kingitāwhia, te, kingi, te kingituarua. Ko tāna whakatauki e kea tātou tēnei āhuatanga a pōpō ke ngā whakatūpūranga, ka whēke, ka whēke, ka whēke. What that basically means is that this is our generation to shape and to please as we want. Tomorrow is the next generation, the future. It is up to us to lay the carpet, to lay the foundation for them to choose which road they want to take. In other words, make life easier for our children. Earlier this week, the remains of Tupuna Māori were returned to Rangitāne, that's the South Island branch of the iwi. Ending 70 years of emotional heartbreak for the iwi, nā reira ahakoa kai te heke i ngā roimata i hoki hoki mai o tātou mātua tūpuna ki te haukainga. That's coming up next week and it's our Anzac special peeps. He mihi tēnei ki nā kai kōrero katoa a te ahikā ki a Piki Thomas rātou ko rangatuhi wali pinetito. Ki ngā kai rā wikiwiki mihine ki ora rā. Hoki mai anoa te rā wiki i te iwi. Mauri ora tātou katoa.